Thank you for listening to this message from The Resting Place Tampa. We exist for the lost to be found, the found to be free, and peace to reign in our city. For more great resources like this, check out TheRestingPlaceTampa.com. I'm excited because tonight is one of my favorite messages to preach. I love it when the Lord lets me preach stuff I like. (laughs) You know, because I don't pick the messages. Did you know that? I don't pick my messages. I don't pick what I preach. I don't. You're like, wait a minute, don't you? Yeah, I know there's a partnership, but I'm not Lord here, okay? Caleb is not Lord. Jesus is Lord, and Jesus tells me what to preach. Like, I would have never preached that message last week on our birthday. Like, that is not what I would have preached, all right? Like, keep yourself unspotted from the world. You're all selfish. That was basically the message. We all have a measure of selfishness we need to get rid of. That was the message. I mean, go enjoy it on YouTube. I don't know. You know what I mean? Like, it was more than that and much kinder. But I don't pick the messages. But when I get to preach something that I really like, I get very happy. Okay? And I really like this one. All right? I want to talk tonight. And the Lord, it seemed good to the Lord, the Holy Spirit, and to me to speak to you on your legal freedom in Christ. You have a legal right to total freedom because of what Jesus has done. You have a legal authority to enforce that freedom. Okay? If you've grown up in church, you might have been taught into accepting measures of bondage and not even know it. But I'm here to tell you, any measure of bondage is illegal in the believer. Any measure of bondage, I'm talking addiction, I'm talking whatever, you know, anything. You feel like, oh, I'm just a, that I was born with it, or this is the way my family is, or we just, you know, we don't come from money, or whatever. Any measure of bondage of things holding you back from the perfect will of God in your life is illegal because of the cross. It's illegal. I can teach this 10 times till Sunday, but I want to take you to one verse in just a second. I want to be very clear. That doesn't mean there is no bondage in the life of a true believer. Did you hear what I said? It doesn't mean there is no bondage. I'm saying any measure of bondage is illegal and needs to be evicted forthwith. You know what I mean? Like quickly. Needs to be be gone. It needs to be kicked out. Okay? This simply means that any bondage has no legal right to be there. No legal right. We have a legal authority in Christ to be free. A legal authority, okay? Read this, Romans 8, 1 through 4. We're going to read out the uh, English Standard Version. I'll give you a little bit of context for this. So Romans 5, let's say Romans 5. About halfway through Romans 5, y'all are going to get teacher Caleb tonight. We're going to break down this verse, all right? I'm going to go line by line. But I'm going to give you the context. Christine Alexis, it'll feel like Vanguard. It feels like school all over again. Romans 5, about halfway through, Paul starts to talk about how the trespass of Adam has nothing on the gift of Christ, the obedience of Christ, okay? And it says that we enter in by faith into the reward of Christ's obedience, all right? So a lot of us are taught in church that there is a measure of earthliness, a measure of human nature. There's a measure of that that's acceptable because we're in a fallen world. How many have heard that? We're in a fallen world. We're only human. How many have heard that? How many have said that, like today? Yeah, we're only human. No, you are not only human anymore, okay? Because it says the gift is not like the trespass. It far surpasses what Adam did. Christ raising from the dead far surpasses Adam falling in the garden. 
And here's my theological underpinning. Are you ready? This is Caleb's theological stalwart. I will not be moved off of this. I will not. That I refuse to elevate the fall of Adam above the risen Christ. I refuse in my thinking or my theology to elevate the fall of a man above the rise of the God-man. I refuse. His resurrection has outdone, undone, overdone everything Adam has done. That's Romans 5. Romans 6 talks about how you've actually been set free from the entity of sin. How many you know sin is not just something you do? It's an entity that wants to control you. All right? It's a spirit. Sin is used as a noun 16 out of 17 times in Romans 6 alone. 16 out of 17 times. It's a person, place, or thing. And it says you're set free from sin. It says you're dead to sin. No longer enslaved to sin. Sin will have no dominion over you. What if churches actually taught that? Sin will have no dominion over you. I was taught the opposite, man. I was. You're going to sin nine times for 9 a.m. Monday morning. No. That's, that is actually the message of the Antichrist. That you're in Christ, but you're still bound. That is an Antichrist message. It's opposite the anointing of the one who sets you completely and totally free. Okay? It's opposite. So I don't care who taught it to you. I don't care if you love them. I love people that disagree with me on this stuff. Okay? Honor is not agreement. I'm not coming at your pastors of, of old or where you grew up or even you. I'm coming at a principality that is binding the church and keeping her ineffective because she thinks she was just born this way. No, you've been born again. Born again. So Romans 6 talks about that, set free from sin. You're now a slave of righteousness. You don't get a choice. You have to live righteous. Slaves don't have choices. <laughs> you were a slave of sin, but now anyone can check me on this. Just go home and read Romans 5, about verse 14, through all the way through Romans 8. Okay? Just go read all the way through it. Nonstop. And you'll see I'm not lying to you. Please don't take my word for it. Please go to the word for it. Please. I know I got the Amish Jesus look going on, but do not take my word for it. It just doesn't grow this way. It's, I'm declaring and telling it. Just grow. Anyway, so that's Romans 6. Romans 7 talks about literally what it's like to live under the law. It says, under the law, I was bound. Paul uses his first person I, but he is not talking about his experience in that moment. I'm telling you, I don't have time for this. But he says, while I was under the law, the law killed me and deceived me. But while I was under the law, and then everything it says, I do not do the thing that I want to do, all of that was under the law. Just read your Bible and stop listening to people tell you about it. Read your Bible. My job is to make you want your Bible tonight. If I don't make you hungry, I'm failing. I'm not here just to feed you. I'm here to teach you how to eat and make you hungry. Okay? It says this. Am I right, Christina? I spent nine months with this lady, two nights a week, convincing her of these things line by line. All right? Just ask Christina. She'll take you right to the verse. She will. She's a, she's a scholar. She is. Listen. That was all under the law. I'll prove it to you. At the end, he says, who will deliver me? Who will deliver me? You think Paul is really asking that question? Paul, the apostle, doesn't know who his deliverer is? Who will deliver me from this body of death? Praise be to God who has set me free. And Romans 8, verse 1 through 4 is right after that. So go ahead and put that back up. He says, who will deliver me? Praise be to God. And then he says, thou there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, 
For the law, say the law, of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do. By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh. In order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. We're going to break this down line by line. It says there, are no, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. Condemnation. Anyone know what that, mean, that word means? Not Christina. Anybody? Anyone knows what the word condemnation literally means in the Greek? Condemned, yes, but what? What? Almost. It's a shameful judgment put on you. It means a death sentence. It's like a judge saying, you are worthy of death. I sentence you to death. That's what condemnation means. You know, a condemned man on death row. That's why they call it a condemned man. Condemnation literally means death sentence. So there is no death sentence for those in Christ Jesus. Let me ask you a question right now. If you're dying daily, do you believe this verse? You're like, wait a minute, I'm supposed to carry my cross. Yeah, you're supposed to love the least of these. All right, that's what that's about. I know. You were taught wrong. I'm telling you, you were taught wrong. Any measure of bondage in the life of the believer is illegal. We baptized 11 people this morning. They went in with a cross. They came out with a crown. Somebody died in that water, and a new man was risen out of that tomb. That's how it worked. That's how it works. If you are carrying a death sentence after believing in Jesus, you're carrying out a judgment that the judge of all never gave. I'm going to say it again. I'm just going to read it because that's really good. If you're carrying a death sentence after believing in Jesus, you are carrying out a judgment that the judge of all never gave. There is, therefore, now no death sentence for those who are in Christ Jesus. You say, don't I need to die to my flesh? I'll get to you in just a second. I'll get there. You hang on. But do we agree it says there is no condemnation? You can check me, but if it means death sentence, does that make sense? Right? There is no death sentence. Okay. It says, for the law of the spirit of life has set you free, meaning it already happened. When you say yes to Jesus, you have already been set free. It's already happened. One day we'll be free in heaven. No, no, brother. Heaven has come to earth. Jesus said the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That means you can touch it. That means it's within reach. Yeah. The law of the spirit of life. This is a higher law than the law of sin and death. Okay, I don't have this verse for you, but 2 Corinthians 3 talks about Moses, the ministry of condemnation. Okay, that was written on letters of stone. All right, did you know the Old Testament, the Old Covenant, it's a ministry of condemnation. It's a ministry of death sentences. It's like, you deserve death, and you deserve death. and you, That was their ministry. That was what it meant to be a minister in that covenant. Praise God, I'm on this side of the cross. I would not be chill over there. I would not like that job. Death, 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 death. You're all worthy of death. That was their full-time job. To condemn people for falling short. Right? That's what 2 Corinthians 3 talks about. And it says that it had glory. But, and it says it was fading away. But how much more glory is the law of life? The Spirit is Lord, and it takes us from glory to glory. Okay? So let me think of it this way. Like, it's like the law of lift. Does anyone know what the law of lift is? It's how airplanes fly. All right? You know, there's a law of gravity. 
It's not like gravity turns off when an airplane takes off. It's not happening. What's happening? A higher law is coming into play. A law that supersedes the law of gravity is coming into play. Lift. It's, what is it, thrust plus speed equals lift or something like that? Yeah, anyway, you get the point. There's a higher law at play. And when the law of the spirit of life came in through Christ Jesus, a higher law came into play. Or we are elevating the first atom above the last. And I refuse to elevate the fall of a man above the rise of the God-man, Christ Jesus the Lord. I refuse. I refuse. My buddy Bill Vanderbush says it this way, and I love it. He says, I'm legalistic about my freedom. <laughs> you know, we don't want to be legalistic, right? Like, that's bad. We talked about that. We talked about pure religion, things like that. But he's legalistic about his freedom, meaning he's a lawyer when it comes to his freedom. He's a lawyer. I'll give you a personal testimony that happened today. I already told the team earlier, okay? I have a personal testimony about this today. Last night or this morning sometime, I had a dream. And I won't tell you the dream. It doesn't matter. But it shook me. I'll just tell you. It was, I, it was demonic, all right? This, this controlling spirit was coming after me and my family. It was very scary. I woke up not okay. Anyone ever woken up from a dream not all right? Yeah? Anybody? Okay. So all day long I've been not okay. Uh, this morning, thank God we had a guest speaker because I was not okay. All right? I was just not all right. And I'm praying. I'm trying to just like ugh, shake it off, you know, when your heart is just like unsettled. I just, I'm not right, you know. And we're setting up and everything, and I'm like, now I'm, I'm here getting ready, and hopefully nobody noticed, or maybe you did, and you're praying for me. I don't know. But I was like on the verge of a, a semi-panic attack, a little one. It was just like something was just building. And I was like, this is not right. So I went into actually the children's room, and I hid in one of the kids' bathrooms because there was nowhere private in here. There's nowhere else private, all right? <laughs> I had to find somewhere. I went into my, my phone booth. I went in Clark Kent. I came out Superman. But I went in there, and I made a phone call. I have pastors. I have three men that pastor me. They're overseers of this church. I called one of them. I called Pastor Lynn. I was like, Pastor Lynn, I'm not all right. I had this dream. I told him the dream. I was like, I've been shook all day. I'm not okay. I'm about to go preach, and I, I can't do it. Like, I want to leave. I want to run away and just explain nothing to anyone. I'm freaking out. That was, like, two hours ago. Not even. Yeah. Okay? Like, it, can I be real with you? Like, are you okay with this level of authenticity? Or you want the spirit and lies thing? You want the spirit and truth? Okay. <laughs> Your choice. You can pick which one. Anyway. Okay. So I call him, and I tell him that. He's like, oh, yeah, I know what that is. I've dealt with that before. This man has 28 years of ministry experience at the same church. He's been a pastor of one church for over 28 years. Okay. That's awesome. That's who I want to be. I want to be in the long term, you know, laying my whole life down for Jesus. Anyway. And so he's like, oh, I know exactly how to pray. He starts praying for me. And I'm telling you, man, this thing lifted right off of me. And my heart settled and I had peace. Just because the prayer of agreement is powerful and he knew how to pray. He's, he's ministered in this way before. He's felt these things before. Do you know why I went into that bathroom and why I called Pastor Lynn? One reason. I knew that anxiety was illegal. Illegal. I knew this does not belong in the temple of the living God. That's the only reason. There's no other reason I would make that phone call. You know, a lot of us would go, oh, I have an anxiety problem. It's me. Where did I mess up? What open door did I fling wide? What did I, what did I do? What do I, me, myself, and I? It's obviously about me. I am the focus here. No, it's not always about you. 
Let me help you. It's not always about you. Even your problems aren't always about you. You know, Romans 6 says, don't obey sin and the lust thereof. Meaning, sin has lusts. Sin has desires. Some of your temptations you're calling your own. It's actually an entity called sin. It's a spirit that's trying to convince you they're yours. Half of your problems aren't even yours. There is a spiritual war going on for your freedom. Okay, and the enemy hates you. I don't want to focus on the enemy, but listen, you've been made free, and he's in forever bondage. He's a little jealous. He's a little jelly. You know? Just saying. I'm legalistic about my freedom, meaning I knew it did not have a right to be there. Do you understand? Is this a little bit different perspective for some of you? Yeah, like, oh, this isn't in Jesus' heart, and I have a new heart from Jesus. It must not be in mine. Why is it here? I'm going to take this thing captive. I'm going to kick it out. I'm going to call whoever i got to call. I, this cannot stay. Yeah? Sickness is the same way. It's illegal. Does it happen? Yes. Should it be escorted out quickly? Yes. Amen? Amen. I'm legalistic about my freedom. I am free from sickness. I am free from anxiety. I am free from all bondage. Because of what? Because of Jesus Christ. Death, burial, and his resurrection. I have the risen one living inside of me. And that gives me legal access to all the spiritual blessings in the heavenly realms. All of them. Say all. It says in this verse, Romans 8, 1 through 4, God has done what the law could not do. This means keeping the legal code and the rule books will never set you free. Anybody tried to get free by doing the right thing? I know I have. Yeah, you tried to be right by doing right. Yeah, it's just a bunch of doo-doo, 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 doo-doo. Yeah, no, 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 it doesn't work that way. Listen to Galatians 2, 15 through 16. This is Paul speaking to Peter, Galatians 2, 15 through 16. It says, we ourselves are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners, meaning he's saying we are of the covenant, all right? Do we have this one, Hopi? Galatians 2, 15 through 16, I might have missed it. Or put it in the wrong order. But it says, we, there we go. We ourselves are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners. Yet we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. Now listen, a lot of the church is still trying to justify themselves before God by praying, reading their Bible, going to church. I'm not saying those things are bad. I'm saying they are, should not be for righteousness. They should be from it. Because you're holy, you should act like it. Not do this so that you become holy. Are you with me? It says, no one is justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. So we also have believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith. By faith in Christ and not by works of the law. Because by works of the law, no one will be justified. Listen, Ten Commandments still relevant, but they don't justify you. Don't kill. Honor your father and mother. Relevant, right? They're not irrelevant. Don't take them down. Don't take them out of schools. I'm saying they don't justify you. It never did justify anyone. It never made anyone right before God. It's impossible. The only way you're right before God is if you receive the righteous one. You become one with the righteous one. That's the only way to freedom. You'll never obtain righteousness by rightness. So why do you need to be right? Why do you need to be right about anything? This is pervasive. I see the church needing to be right more than she needs to be righteous. I see it on Facebook. You want to just look on Facebook. The church feels she needs to be right. You don't need to be right. You don't need to know everything. You don't need to always get it right. You don't need to be perfect in your actions. 
You need to behold the perfect one. And guess what will flow? Perfect love. It's a fruit. It's not the root. It's a fruit. Can you tell I like preaching this stuff? This is like my favorite. Fave. Hashtag fave. My rightness doesn't make me righteous. It's good to be right. I love being right. I don't like being wrong. You know, like, I can't find anyone who's like, I love it when I'm wrong. No, I get it. But listen, doing the right thing will never justify you in the sight of the Lord. Some of you here believe it. You think, oh, I, amen. But you're not thinking about your actual practical faith walk. You actually think that if you pray more, he loves you more. I can feel it in the room. You think because you read your Bible and study and you know the right things to say, God is more pleased with you. Wrong. Wrong. God is pleased with you because he is pleased with Christ. End of story. That's the gospel. That's the gospel. <laughs> Moving on. Next point. <laughs> it says God has done what the law could not do. Are you following me? God has done it. I love that line. God has done. Past tense. What the law could never do. I love it. Yes. This is what he did. It says he condemned sin in the flesh. So he gave sin the death sentence you and I deserved. Whoa. What's happening here? I thought sin was just to miss the mark. I thought sin was just doing bad stuff. No, no, no. How does he condemn your bad actions? That doesn't even make sense. He condemned sin in the flesh. No, no, no. Is he condemning you who sin? That's the only way to look at it if you're thinking in the verb tense. Right? Is he, is he condemning the action of sin? That was already condemned under the law. Are you following me? He's not condemning the action of sinning. He's condemning the entity of sin. That verse, it uses it as a noun, the person, place, or thing of sin. He gave that spirit a death sentence. He cut it off from your life. But maybe no one ever told you. I'm here to declare the good news. You've been set free. You'll never get more free than you already are right now, just so you know. In the spirit, you are totally free. It's just manifesting through revelation. You understand? This is touchy, but I'm going to say it anyway because you love me. Right? Are we okay? Mm, some of you. Okay. <laughs> We're on okay terms. Listen. Progressive sanctification, those two words not in your Bible. You know what it is? You have been sanctified. Twice. Hebrews 10, 1 Corinthians 6. Have been sanctified. He wrote that to the Corinthians who were acting a fool. So what is sanctification? It's not your actions. It's his personhood. He actually became to us wisdom, justice, and sanctification. 1 Corinthians 1, 13, I believe it is. You can Google it. He became to us sanctification. Let me help you. Sanctification isn't the process. Sanctification is the person. The process is revelation of his personhood. The process is getting to know who he is. The Bible says when we see him, we'll be like him. When we behold him, we can become him. Come on, I can rapid fire these scriptures off to you, but I don't have time. It says he condemns sin in the flesh. So believing on Christ has already legally set you free. Sin got the death sentence you and I deserve. The entity of sin. You are no longer dominated by the tyrannical spirit called sin. Have you been told the opposite? I was. Yeah? That is an anti-Christ message. I will go on record and say those people who are preaching that stuff ignorantly are preaching an anti-Christ message that was handed out to them. That is not what the scriptures say. 
says you've been set free. This is serious business, is it not? We better get this right. Anything's opposite Christ, opposite the anointing is Antichrist. Just so you know, I'm going to get in all the trouble tonight. Man, I came out of there Clark Kent, y'all. I came out of that baby bathroom, Clark Kent. The toilet's like down here. I was going to sit on it, but it's literally too small for me. For me. All right? It was so funny. I came out of there like, yeah. Listen, the Antichrist is not a person. You're all looking for the Antichrist, and that's your problem. There is no the singular Antichrist. It's a spirit called Antichrist. And John said, many Antichrists have come. They've come out from us. Jesus said, many Antichrists will come. Why are we looking for the guy? When the Savior of all said, many Antichrists will come. John said, many Antichrists have come. What's going on? It's a spirit that is opposite the anointing of Christ. What does the anointing of Christ do? Set you completely and totally free. It's an anti-Christ message, and I have no tolerance for it. Zero. I'm so glad. Eric and I, you know, we, we don't, haven't even known each other a year. We were at a dinner, actually, with some other pastors. I was sitting to one guy, and he's like, oh, you've got a new campus? I'm like, yeah. Wesley Chapel, he's like, oh, cool, yeah. And I'm like, and that's the campus pastor over there. He's like, oh, that guy, yeah, my Korean guy over there. Yeah. And he's like, he's like, how long you know him? I'm like, mm, three and a half months. He looked at me like I was, I was gone, like I lost it. He's like, how is he a campus pastor when you ain't even know the man? I'm like, we know one another, 2 Corinthians 5, not after the flesh, but after the spirit. I've seen his spirit, and we are in alignment. We are covenant brothers. We didn't even have to have a theological discussion. I saw it. And thankfully, afterwards, we agree on these things. I was like, oh, I was right. Because <laughs> we miss it. Amen? Sometimes we miss it. I didn't miss it. Right? Man, so thankful. He condemned sin in the flesh. So he already did that. So we don't need to be condemned. Come on. The righteous, it says, so that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us. So what is the righteous requirement of the law? Is that, you know, stand when a gray-haired man walks in the room? I didn't see none of y'all stand when I walked in the room. All right? Is that don't wear clothing with two types of thread in it because you're all lawbreakers right now. Okay, you're lawbreakers. Okay, you shouldn't have tattoos. That's in the Bible. It's the same chapter that says you shouldn't wear clothing with two types of thread in it. The minute you strip, I'll get my tattoos taken off. All right? You want to pick and choose? Yeah. No, we're in a different covenant. We're in a different covenant. And this is not, when it says the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us, some people teach that means we should fulfill all the law. That we should follow the law of Moses. That we should, we're actually able now to accomplish what we couldn't accomplish before. And we can keep the feast. We can all that stuff. No. That is not the righteous requirement of the law. You can read Colossians 2. It says new moon festivals, all these things. They were a type and a shadow. They were not the fullness. Now that the fullness has come, Hebrews 1, is Christ. Christ is the fullness. And we have the full thing. So why would we go back to the shadow? All right? The righteous requirement of the law was explained by Jesus in Matthew 22. Matthew 22, verse 37 through 40. There, someone says, what is the greatest commandment? And he says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, come on, with all your soul and with all your mind, everything you are, all right? This is the great and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. That is the righteous requirement of the law. Love God, everything you are. Love others as you love yourself. 
That is the righteous requirement of the law. So we should not take this verse to mean, oh, so now we can, you know, stand when Caleb walks in the room. And, oh, by the way, get gross here. This is one of my favorites. Throw away all these chairs because you can't sit in a chair the lady has sat on during her menstrual period under the law. So we got to get new chairs once a month because we don't want to take tallies. You want to designate a chair. What do you do? You get one chair. I don't know. Like, <laughs> people, listen, you're laughing now, but we do this with our thinking. You're not thinking about that. You're thinking about, oh, I didn't pray today. He's, uh, he's probably not very happy with me. You're thinking, I didn't, I didn't go. I didn't give. I didn't go to church. I didn't, God's probably mad at me. It's the same principality. I'm telling you. I'm exposing it through being funny and a little gross, okay, to make you see how obvious it is. But that's the same principality. The whole righteous requirement of the law is right there. On these two commandments depend all the law. Say all the law. And the prophets. What does that mean except the righteous requirement of the law? And then it says, the righteous requirement of the law will be fulfilled in us. Who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. And you're like, ha see, there it is. Measure of lingual bondage. I can walk according to the flesh or according to the spirit. I'm about to take away all of your sin excuses right now. I'm about to take away your entire theological argument for why you keep on sinning. Yeah, because you might say, well, Paul struggled. I am of the flesh. Under the law, remember, that was Romans 7. I already talked about that. This is Romans 8, 1 through 4. Jump down to Romans 8, verse 9. Romans 8, verse 9. Same passage, same paragraph. He's writing a letter. He says, you, however, church, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if, in fact, the spirit of God dwells in you. How's that for a line in the sand? I mean, like, whoa, hold up. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. Do you have the Holy Spirit as soon as you believe on Jesus? Yeah? Yes? Okay. Then how can light dwell with darkness? You might take Romans 8, 1 through 4, at the end there and say, see, we can walk according to the flesh or according to the Spirit. And if we walk according to the flesh, there's condemnation. Walk according to the Spirit, no condemnation. No, no, no. He's talking about two different kind of people. He's talking about two different kind of people. Those who walk according to the flesh, one people, unredeemed, have not given their life, have not believed on the, on the Lord Jesus Christ. Those who walk according to the Spirit, those who believed on Jesus. That's what we're supposed to do. But did you know the Bible says, do not sow seeds according to the flesh. Meaning you can act like you're still in the flesh. But you're not. That's the deviousness of this thing. Because we preach, you're half bad, half good, you're half and half. It's good for coffee, bad for church, all right? It's bad for Christianity. Bad. It's not good. Half dark, half. That's yin and yang. That's Plato. That is not Paul. That is not the gospel. Darkness and light. Yeah, bipolar Christianity. I don't know. Yeah, here, let me help you. You want to you wanna, you wanna hold that line? Okay, please don't serve in our children's ministry ever. Because at any point, the dark might come out. Oh, give us your children. Sometimes we don't do the thing we want to do. The thing we don't want to do, we do. The evil we wish not to do, we keep on doing. Please give us your children for two hours. You have that theological position. You are banned from TRP kids. You cannot serve there. Because at any point, I'm going to just go, go dark side on my, my children, and I'm not chill with that. All right? Listen, you can act like... You're in the flesh. You can act like a sinner, but that just makes you a good actor. Johnny Depp is not a pirate. This is my favorite example. I know I'm ruining a lot of things for a lot of people right now, 
But Johnny Depp is not a real pirate. You seen him? I know. <gasps> he acts so well. He's, I mean, he's so convincing. He does that little walk, you know. He's like, I don't know. the problem is you don't know what the problem is. You think the problem is not the problem. That's your problem. Matey, you know. He's got the, the get up, the dredge. He's like, he's got the stance of the gun, you know. He's like, where's the rum gone? He's, he's very good at it. The man is convincing that he's a pirate. The dude is not a pirate, Peggy. He's not a real pirate. I'm trying to help you. I've seen the poster on your wall during the Zoom calls. He's not a real. I'm joking. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. She said she has a costume in the garage. That was prophetic. <laughs> <laughs> he's not a pirate, but he sure as heck can act like one. So no matter how well you act like a sinner doesn't make you one. Christ decides who you are. Christ has declared something over you. In Romans 8 verse 9, you are not in the flesh if the Holy Spirit dwells in you. Now let me ask you a question, a serious question. Does the Holy Spirit ever leave? Jesus said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So the Holy Spirit will not bless everything we do. You understand? There's a difference between the Spirit of God blessing our words and blessing our actions and bringing anointing upon what we do. But that is different from the Holy Spirit indwelling you or not indwelling you. He's a homebody. He moves in and stays. He doesn't go out. He's got his favorite spot on the couch. He puts his feet up. Okay, he's got a remote right there. The Holy Spirit will never leave you nor forsake you because it is the Spirit of the living Christ. Right? So you cannot step into the flesh. You can only, let's just be biblical. I just want to be biblical. You can only sow seeds unto the flesh, according to the flesh. Meaning you can sow flesh seeds. Like you can say, I'm, I'm choosing to be selfish. That's a flesh seed. But it doesn't make you in the flesh. It means a flesh seed is in your spirit and it doesn't belong there. It's like the wrong seed in the wrong soil, all right? So you just pull that thing out. You break that agreement and say, no, 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 I, I, that was wrong. I shouldn't treat that person that way. I shouldn't think that way. That does not put you back in the flesh. You understand? You have been set free. You have a legal right to freedom. Legally free. Seriously, if you're confused by this or you really want to learn more, this is what we spend the entire first semester of the Jesus Lab on. I didn't plan talking about that. I'm just saying. It really is. Three and a half months of videos of me talking to you like this, all right? So <laughs> may or may not be a good advertisement. I don't know, you know. <laughs> Let's read this passage again, or the first two verses again, because I love this. In the Passion Translation, Romans 8, 1 through 2, in the Passion Translation. I might have put it in there. Yeah. I love it how it says it here. No condemnation. It says, so now the case is closed. There remains no accusing voice of condemnation against those who are joined in life union with Jesus, the anointed one. For the law of the spirit of life flowing through the anointing of Jesus has liberated us from the law of sin and death. Someone say hallelujah. Do you always act that way? No. But maybe you've got some wrong beliefs about you. Maybe as a man believes in his heart, so is he. Maybe the work of God is to believe, John 6, 29. Maybe you need to get your believer right, and then your behavior will line up. You believe the right thing, and behavior flows from your beliefs. You understand? Behavior flows from your beliefs. We're transformed by the renewal of our mind, not our flesh. Your flesh has been cut off. 
dealt with. He's not dealing with the old Jew. The old Jew is beyond counseling. The old Jew cannot be helped. The old man cannot be instructed. It says it is impossible for those who have a mindset of the flesh to obey God. In Romans 8, it's somewhere in verse 6 or 7. It says it's impossible for those in the flesh to obey God. Have you ever obeyed God? Anybody? Ever? Ever? You obey? Okay. If you're, you're saying, yeah, I've obeyed God, then it's obviously not impossible for you to obey God. <laughs> Let's just be biblical. Take it for what it says. Amen? If it's possible for you to obey God, you are no longer in the flesh. You can act like it. You can disobey God. People get on to me like they're saying, you're saying you, Christians don't sin. I'm like, have you met any Christians, okay? I am not saying that. I'm not saying it's impossible for you to sin. I'm saying it's unnatural for you to sin. It's unnatural for you to hate your neighbor. It's unnatural for you to turn a blind eye on those in need. It's unnatural for you to be selfish. That's why you feel so bad when it happens. The last time you sinned and liked it was before Christ, I promise you. I have yet to find a Christian on any theological spectrum to say, yeah, when I sinned, I, I high-five Jesus and say, I'm glad we did that. <laughs> Why? What's happening? Before Christ, you could sin and you didn't care. Anybody have some BC days? Yeah? Before Jesus, before Christ? And you just would hurt people and you'd be like, well, they got in my way, I, whatever. It didn't even hit your heart. But now it's like, oh. Man, I shouldn't have done that. What is that? That's the conviction of the Holy Ghost. He convicts of sin, righteousness, and judgment. If you have that, you have the Holy Spirit, and that means you are not in the flesh. You are legally, totally free. Free. I love the gospel. It's good news. I could never set myself free. And it took me years for anyone to tell me that Jesus didn't just pay to forgive my sin, he paid to set me free from sin. In fact, no man told me. Jesus had to tell me. And I think that's a tragedy. I gave my life to Jesus when I was 8 years old. It took till I was 21 to find out that he didn't just forgive me, he set me free. I was addicted to pornography. This is my testimony. 10 years of hardcore addiction. Six, seven, eight, ten times a day watching it. I'm not talking about temptation and falling. I'm talking about addict, okay? If you've ever been an addict, you know what I mean. You can't sleep without it. You, you have to have it. There's no getting around it, okay? Ten years until Jesus walked into my bedroom when I was crying out for holiness. I was crying out saying, I want to be holy. I want to be useful for your kingdom. Under conviction from the Holy Spirit, crying out to God. And he said, you don't have to struggle with pornography anymore. Jesus said that to me. And I'm like, it took me back. He said, it was, it was God saying, he said, my son, God the son, paid for that. And I had a revelation. Oh, you didn't just forgive my wretchedness. You removed it. I was living wretched. You understand I was leading worship, going to the bathroom, watching porn for the first 10 minutes of the pastor's sermon. I was addicted, y'all. This is my testimony. I was an addict. Could not turn it off. If this rattles you, I'm sorry. Without a, without a test, there is no testimony, all right? Like, I, I have been set free. I'm telling you, since that day, 21 years old, the Lord said that to me. He said, I, my son paid for that. I have been set totally free from pornography. Completely set free. Set free. 
That's my testimony. Like, what are you going to do with that? I tried every accountability. I tried every discipleship method. I got through them all. I tried everything. I tried to do the right thing. I tried to do the right thing to be righteous until I had a revelation that the righteous one actually gave me the gift of his person and removed that old wretched person who is a slave to these things. He said, my son set you free. And guess what? I agreed with it. And bang, freedom hit my life. That's how it works. This is the prayer of agreement. This is faith. Wow. Jesus, you paid it all. You paid it all. Really? Most of the church says, Jesus paid for half. Half to him I owe. Look at the fruit. Look at the fruit. The church will give God an hour on Sunday but won't give them their life. Why? Because they don't believe Jesus paid it all. Listen, it's so important that you understand your legal freedom in Christ. And if you didn't understand that until now, you can be free tonight. If you're in here, you've never truly given your life to Jesus, then you've knew, never truly tasted freedom. Seriously. If you've given your life to rules, if you've given your life to church, if you've given your life to trying to be right, you've not given your life to Jesus because giving your life to Jesus is not a changed life. It's an exchanged life. It's his life for your life. You and he begins. Christ in you is the hope of glory from now on. But maybe you've actually given your heart to Jesus, but you were believing for so much less than what he paid for. I find that to be extremely common because we're taught into wrong beliefs. And there's no shame in any of this. And even those teachers, I'm not upset with those people who taught it. They were taught it. It's just been passed down, you know. But it's not the gospel because any measure of bondage is illegal in the kingdom of heaven. And when you say yes to Jesus, you become a kingdom citizen. You live from a different realm. You are no longer merely human. I know it feels like it. I felt like it two hours ago, having anxiety, freaking out. But I knew it was illegal. I knew it wasn't right. I knew it wasn't who I am. And when you disassociate your feelings from your identity, you get to step into who he says you are. Ricky did that tonight. He was having a rough afternoon. We're talking. He's like, I don't know. Like, I, how can I say Jehovah Jireh? I'm not sure he's going to provide. And then he started worshiping. He's like, it's who he is. The way I feel is irrelevant. It's who he is. And then he gets up there and sings that song. Seriously. That's faith. So those here who are already in Christ, it's time to simply believe that he has done what the law could never do. What the rules could not help you with. He has set you free. Free. Thank you for listening to this message from The Resting Place Tampa. We exist for the lost to be found, the found to be free, and peace to reign in our city. For more great resources like this, check out theRestingPlaceTampa.com.